Welcome to the latest episode of the We Belong Here podcast, powered by Civic Commons. Thank you to the big phony who's always uh, allowed us to use his music for our introduction. And we have a special guest today. This is one of our episodes where we have one guest and we have Elizabeth Ralston, who is an accessibility consultant. And Elizabeth's going to tell us a little bit about the work that they're doing, the how they got involved in accessibility community and uh, uh, advocacy, and the origin story of who she is, where she's from, how she came to this place. So without further ado, Elizabeth, please introduce yourself with a few sentences. Tell us who you are. Hello, Frank. Thank you so much for inviting me onto this podcast. My name is Elizabeth Ralston, and I am a white woman with short wavy silver hair, and I am wearing a red sweater wrapped around my shoulders because it's kind of cold down in my basement, um, where I have the best internet connection, and I'm sitting on a brown couch with a sort of a blurry background. Um, It's really great to be here. I am, like you said, I'm a consultant, and I'm working on the intersection of public health and community health and nonprofits and accessibility. And I'm always looking at things through a lens of health and equity because I am a person with lived experience as a person with a disability. I grew up profoundly deaf and raw hearing aids my whole life, except recently, the last 10 years, I got two cochlear implants. Wonderful. Yeah, I would love to actually jump in. Um, And thank you for the example. So for the audience, uh, uh, if they have uh, accessibility in terms of viewing, I'm a male, uh, I have black short hair glasses, and I'm wearing a blue short sleeve button down shirt with like these little fun wavy check marks, looks like the ocean. And my background is actually a photo of a rooftop on Seattle during sunset. And you can see the Olympic mountains behind me. I think it was taken near the Soto district in the Soto district. But I appreciate that uh, uh, that example to follow your lead, Elizabeth. And I will also say, if it's okay with you and with the audience, I also, uh, I have single-sided deafness and I was born this way. And I, for a long time, told people that, you know, I don't have any accessibility issues. I don't have any problems. You know, if there's a form that says, do you have like a, back in the day, like it says handicap or disability, I would just pass it by, not even think about it. but. You know, I remember my teacher was the one that, even though I was born this way, I didn't know I had this issue. And it was, I think it was my kindergarten or first grade teacher that called my mom in and noticed that if I was on the left side of the classroom, since I can't hear on my right side, I would do a lot of turning my head to listen to the teacher without me even knowing it. And that's when we did the tests and stuff and found out that I had a single-sided deafness. So sound location, I can't locate sound if someone's speaking and I can't visualize them. I don't know where it's coming from. And so when I'm teaching, when I used to teach, you know, I had students raise their hand to ask a question, but invariably someone would, raise, would not raise their hand, ask a, ask a question. I would start answering to somebody and the person would be like, I did not ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was that person back there. And I was like, Oh, come on class. You know that I have this uh, accessibility issue. You have to raise your hand. And what I would lastly, I just want to say one of my pet peeves is when people are in a large audience and they're doing uh, conversations with like, you know, comments and there's a microphone or some type of amplified sound. And if the, the, the response of, I don't need the mic, I have a loud voice. I, that always drives me a little, little just batty, like just, Oh, come on. Like, and that's uh, something I've learned in my own life, like in my later on to do that more. 
that is a perfect example of ableism. Um, when someone says, oh, I have a loud voice, I don't need to use the microphone, but actually it benefits so many people so when many. you use a microphone. And also, if someone has a hearing device, they'll probably be using their remote control to click to a loop system that's in the building. And so mm. if you talk to a, into a microphone, they can hear you directly through the microphone. But if you don't, then they completely miss out. And that's totally one of my biggest pet peeves too. And Frank, um, I can relate to your story so much because for so long I wanted to fit in and I wanted to um, pretend that I was like everybody else. So for a long time, I didn't tell people about my deafness. I mean, mm. people kind of figured it out because of my deaf accent. But I didn't really advocate for myself. Um, sometimes in my education, I just sat in the front row and hoped for the best. In fact, I had a college professor who had this big, big, uh, thick beard, um, almost like Santa Claus, you know. And he said um, he offered to shave off his beard for me um, because he knew that wow. I needed to lip read. And I said, no, 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 don't worry. I can lip read you just fine. But um, but that was interesting. <laughs> that is really, and that's great for the the professor to to to, to make that a uh, a possibility for you. Um, <laughs> that's great. yes, and and there's not that many people really who are that understanding. And I wanted to explain a little bit about the visual description. Um, that is a way for low vision and blind people to. Um, hear who is speaking um, because they it gives them sort of a sense of place and space. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're having um, virtual conferences, virtual meetings, it really helps because somebody could be calling in and they have no idea who's speaking. Right. And also I think it just um, generates greater understanding between people and greater relationship building because people make assumptions about who you are just based on the way you look and when you self-identify that immediately um deletes um or lessens um any kind of assumptions or biases that a person may have yeah yeah and that's whole like uh, idea of self-identification and this is kind of tying into this when we think about you know the work we do at civic commons and belonging and the reason we ask people to share their stories and even on the podcast, you know, it's kind of like I can do an introduction, but I want the person that I'm speaking with to really tell us about themselves is because then you tell your own story in the way that you want. You to use the description and describers and identities that you want to magnify and talk about. Because, you know, I know a lot of folks in terms of gender and non-binary uh, uh, issues about like using pronouns when they start. And for me, it's like, yes, and if you want to talk about your pronouns, great, but I don't want to force it upon you, right? But I also, but I want to give you the space like, hey, I think the best way to do this is like, hey, tell us who you are in the way you want to tell us. And I appreciate um, using, I'm going to use more of this language in terms of like the visual, visual descriptions of the person that is listening so that they have a better idea of placing me and where I am. And even using the fun virtual backgrounds that I have. Um, letting people, if I change that up uh, so that listeners can uh, know what's even behind me in the in the screen. So I appreciate that. Exactly. And I apologize. I forgot to use my pronouns. Um, I use she, her pronouns. And that's something I often forget. 
Also, with visual descriptions, you can say as much or as little as you want. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no, there are no rules around this. It's just a way of um, helping people get to know who you are. And there's no requirement or application to reveal anything about yourself. And mm -hmm. I wanted to mention something when you said, Frank, about your um, single-sided deafness. Um, you know that one in four people has a disability in the United States, and um, that number is uh, probably higher because mm. so many people don't disclose that they have a disability because of so many reasons. One, they don't think they have one. That's kind of like the way it was for you and me. Um, two, they fear reprisal from their mm. employer or from anybody, you know, they just want to fit in and they want to um, go under the radar, so to speak. And three, because of, you know, discrimination and um, mm. all that stuff and ableism. So there's a lot of reasons why people may not disclose. And so that number is actually really high, I think. And um, uh, disabilities are actually the greatest minority in the world. Mm. And there's so many invisible disabilities that we don't know about, um, you know, apparent and non-apparent disabilities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's, um, thank you for bringing that up. And the number one out of four is probably more close to like one out of three, if not more. Right. And so, and like, mm -hmm. you know, when I was sharing before, I had something that I internalized my ableism, like, like my, what, what my needs, I didn't talk about it. I wanted to fit in. Uh, I remember playing that game Marco Polo in the pool mm, where you say ah. Marco, you close your eyes, and the other kids say Polo, and you use your sound hearing to try to, you know, tag somebody. Uh, so I could not do that. Obviously, I didn't know why I couldn't do that as a kid, but that is also when I learned to cheat and go underwater, open my eyes, and then try to. Me somebody. too. <laughs> Me too. I totally cheated at that game. I hated that game. I hated that passion. game. <laughs> so bad. Let's go to the pool. Yay. Let's play Marco Polo. Boo. Oh, no. Jump out of the and pool. And telephone. What about telephone? Oh, that right. That is awful. <laughs> right. It's like, I know this. And where I sit down, uh, for me, at least with single side deafness, when I sit down at a dining table or with friends, I always, my friends know that I need the right-hand seat. And circular tables are my downfall because there's always half the table that I have a hard time hearing. Yeah. Totally. So I guess you don't know how to read lips. Maybe now it's the I time don't. to learn. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Oh, maybe I could start taking some type of classes and maybe online materials for lip reading. That would actually come in handy. Oh, that's. Yeah. And that's another point I want to make is that I don't sign. So there's a lot of diversity within disability. So mm -hmm. um, it's really important if you're trying to learn more about disability and uh, form relationships with people with disabilities, you have to meet them where they're at. Yeah. And everyone's going to be different. Um, yeah. I need captions for a theater performance. I don't sign, um, but my friend who is um, an ASL signer might need um, ASL. So being open and curious and asking people what they need is really important. And this reminds me, we're doing a, uh, so we're on May 12th and 13th, we're holding a belonging gathering where uh, we have an RSVP invite list. And that is someplace I need to put in a questionnaire form. If there is any accessibility uh, needs you have, please let us know so that we can accommodate them. Yeah. So that's great. I, you know, I'm, this is the most practical and uh, <laughs> uh, experiential, like, hey, let's do this right now, <laughs> a podcast I've had in a while. 
And so I appreciate exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. And I'm nodding my head vigorously as you're speaking um, because this is all about universal design. Like when you're planning something from the very beginning, you think about what is going to benefit everyone because anything you do to engage the largest number of people will benefit everybody. So even if you use captions, you know, captions benefit everybody actually, mm -hmm. not just people with hearing loss. They benefit people who um, have cognitive issues. They benefit people whose language, um, whose first language is not English, et cetera, et cetera. So really incorporating um, an inclusion lens into your mm. planning is very important as well. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, There's a great uh, person I've mentioned on this podcast before that Civic Commons has worked with, and his name is uh, Professor Caesar McDowell, and he talks about human-centered design, but not designing from the middle, but designing from the edges. And if you design from the edges, you cover everyone in the middle. But if you design from the middle, then you leave people out at the edges. And so this is definitely one of his design elements that you, know, that you just mentioned as well. And so uh, I kind of want to talk about this, you know, this idea of belonging, right? And so we talked a little bit about like, we want to fit in, we want to not stand out, what community are we part of? You know, when you think about belonging for you personally, where or when or both is the time that you felt like you most belonged and what, are the, what made you feel that way? And you could also approach that question from the opposite, which is the opposite of belonging is othering. When or when did you feel like you were not, you did not belong? And what, what was the reasons for that and how did that impact you? So you can answer that question either way you want. Great question. Um, I'll start with the othering. Um, hmm. So I went through many, many years of speech therapy. And so a lot of people are really surprised when they meet me and they say, oh my goodness, you speak so well for a deaf person. Uh, my goodness, where are you from? And I tell them I was born in Buffalo, New York. No, 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 where are you really from? Um, I am American, I was born in New York State. No, no, you must be from Australia or um, some other exotic um, place. And, um, and depending on my mood, I'll kind of string them along. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or um, I'll just come right out and say, you know, I have a hearing loss, that's why my speech is different. Um, but this is a perfect example of othering. Mm -hmm. So when you, um, I mean, people's intentions are good, right? I want to believe that. Um, but when you tell someone with a disability how amazing they are, or uh, put them on a pedestal, you're immediately setting them apart um, from yourself. And um, you're immediately putting them into a different category, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a worse category, because as an able-bodied person, you cannot imagine ever being in that position. But guess what? As we get older, all of us are going to join the disability community temporarily or permanently, whether we like it or not. Um, and in terms of belonging, um, I think the best times I have felt belonging are when I'm with people who have a shared life experience. Mm. Um, for example, I, I was in the Peace Corps um, in the late 80s, early 90s, whenever I meet someone who was in the Peace Corps, I immediately feel a connection because we have that shared experience and so we have a, that common language. Mm -hmm. um, I also feel a sense of belonging when I'm around people who read books 
and I have a book group that I've been part of for 23 years. And so wow. when I'm with these people, we just, uh, I just feel like I fit right in with just the way they um, read books and talk about books. And finally, I feel a sense of belonging when I'm around other deaf people like myself. Mm -hmm. um, because when I'm with other people who speak and read lips like myself, we just instantly get each other and we just know um, what, what we're talking about. You know, I remember that time or when we're in a restaurant and someone asked for our order and we have no idea what they said. So we can totally relate to each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Even for us, you know, uh, the listeners are obviously not privy to our conversation before we started recording, but I let Elizabeth know that I uh, I have single-sided deafness and immediately I think I felt like there was a bond, right? Because there's a things, you know, and I don't know what it feel like, feels like to be more, have more in terms of like not hearing loss in both ears, but I do know what it's like for me to live my life and how that impacted me. And when I talked about the stories of like finding it out and hiding it, like we connected immediately. And so that was really uh, wonderful. And, you know, it's, when we think about belonging, there are so many different aspects. And it's kind of like this, one of those words, is, it's amorphous, but people have a good idea of what it means. And so, you know, with like Peace Corps volunteers, maybe it's a shared experience that you all went through, shared customs, shared language, shared, uh, you know, we did this international service for like a part of our life. And, you know, where were you located? Oh, I was in Costa Rica. I was in here. I was there. What did you do? And that's, I've definitely seen that. And I worked with AmeriCorps volunteers for a long time. And I've seen that with AmeriCorps uh, alumni as well, um, who do uh, more domestic service. And then the idea of like, when people get you, you don't have to explain yourself, right? And I think a lot of belonging is like, do people see me for my full humanity and take me in? You know, it doesn't mean they have to agree with my humanity or agree with my decisions or lifestyle or choices, but do they see me as fully human? Uh, and the last thing I want to say, Elizabeth, is when you started with the, where are you really from with accents? I know, uh, AAPI heritage month is next month in May. And so a lot of, uh, my Asian American friends have gotten the, both the, Hey, you speak English really well. Like a surprise. It's like, Oh, I was, I've been here since <laughs> I was three. I don't, uh, language. I, yeah. So, or, or where are you from? It's like, Oh, New Jersey. It's like, Oh no, I remember this. Where are you from? New York City. It's like, no, where are you from? Okay, okay, you got me. I'm from New Jersey. It's like, no, 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 but where where are you really from? And, you know, there's a whole YouTube video with this uh, uh, Asian American woman running and this uh, white gentleman saying like, hey, where are you from? Where are you really from? And then her getting really upset. <laughs> so, uh, and like you, sometimes I play along depending on the mood. And sometimes I'm like, it's like, why, why did you decide to ask me where I'm from? But not, you know, the other people in the room, you know. Exactly. Is what are you seeing first? Are you seeing a person's color first? Are you seeing a person's disability first? Right. And um, another um, example I wanted to illustrate of belonging is um, when I fell into this work, into this accessibility work, the first time I really realized, oh my gosh, I should have been doing this a long time ago, mm -hmm. is when I was at the leadership exchange for arts and disability um, it's a conference that happens every year it's put on by the kennedy center and basically is um arts sector arts um, administrators and staff and 
disability professionals and everyone who's involved in the arts and disability convenes in this conference. And it was the first time at a conference where I thought, oh my gosh, they speak my language. Mm -hmm. There were captioners everywhere. There were interpreters everywhere. Um, everyone was very kind and respectful and understanding and patient and curious and interested. And I learned so much from them. Mm. And I didn't have to explain myself. So that was a really great um, way to feel welcomed and included. Yeah, yeah. And for audience members I've been listening, they they may know or may not know that in late 2020, I decided to move back to the country of my birth, which is South Korea. So I'm actually here in Seoul and it's morning. And for you, it's afternoon or early evening. But when I landed here, and I've been here multiple times, but, you know, it just was so nice to not have to, there's this feeling of anonymity. Like I can ride the bus, the subway, people don't look at me or, you know, like I don't stick out. Um, and that's, there's something about that, <clears throat> that, that that's why I decided to try to stay here more long-term and fly back into Seattle to do the work quarterly and meet people and, do, and make sure I can still do my work and create community. But the feeling of safety, uh, anonymity, uh, acceptance, hearing the language I grew up with, uh, eating the food that I grew up with, uh, seeing family members, it's just been really uh, rooting for me, like a rooting event for me, for sure. That's amazing. That sounds great. Um, it's like um, really going back to your roots and really discovering who you are. And, um, you know, for a long time, um, you know, I grew up in a family um, where I have three older brothers and um, and everyone was hearing in my family. Mm. And so I, um, I always felt, um, I mean, everybody loved me to tears, of course. But I always felt like there was something missing. I didn't really have any deaf friends growing up. Mm -hmm. And so when I met my first deaf friend in graduate school in public health, it was like looking into a mirror. Wow. So I can imagine um, that's somewhat of what you feel. It's like you, you go somewhere and you feel like you're home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you get it. And that's and it's great. My last job at the city of Seattle, uh, I was... When I'm walking down the street with somebody, I usually try to get on the right side. You know, I don't try to explain my single-sided deafness, but it's easy for me to hear them with noise, traffic, construction in the outdoors to be on the right side of someone. And then it's uh, my friend Sahar. And then we're walking and then Sahar does the same thing. Like Sahar walks past me and gets on my right side. So I was like, that was weird. And that happens maybe <laughs> like two more times. So I stopped Sahar. I was like, hey, I'm trying to get on your right side because I can't hear out of my right ear. And Sahar looks at me and goes, me too. <laughs> also has single-sided deafness in the right ear. And here's two people that cannot hear in the right ear trying to both jockey for position so that we can hear each other better. I'm I was having like, this image. I'm oh, having this so image funny. of you doing circles yes. around each other. Just trying to get past each oh, other. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I was like, Sahar, this means we can't walk in public together. Like, either one of us <laughs> is not going to hear to the other person or one of us has to be in a dangerous position where they're walking backwards so they can actually hear each other. And uh, so we do the thing where we kind of like talk loudly when we're walking together <laughs> because one of us is not able to, <laughs> but that's only like, that's only something that people like, you know, that have had this type of experience can get. 
totally. I've, I've walked with lots of friends who've walked into telephone poles because <laughs> they were looking at me um, so that I could read their lips. But yep, yep. I keep telling them, don't do that. Please don't do that. I have magical powers. I can read lips from the side. <laughs> wow. Peripheral lip reading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I, I, you know, this is one of those conversations like probably go on for long, but I do want to make sure that I'm uh, respectful of your time. So I kind of want to go to my last question, which is really, you know, in this podcast, it's really about allowing people to tell us what they're working on so that either myself or our audience members can, uh, actually my friend, Betty Fujikata came up with this, uh, with me, we call it now the triple a, which is either augment it, accelerate it or amplify it. Right. Is there something you're working on that we can augment, accelerate or amplify? Uh, it could be your, you know, you can talk about your actual consulting practice and how people can reach you. You can talk about pet project. You can talk about passion project. Totally up to you. So, Elizabeth, what are you working on? Well, thank you for um, asking me that. I am a seal of all trades. So we say um, I am working on a bunch of different things. And um, the main thing of which is my consulting practice. Um, basically, my mission is to dismantle ableism and to help people and organizations understand that ableism is a big barrier for accessibility and um, why that is and how they can learn to examine their own assumptions and um, recognize what those barriers would be. And um, I help organizations do lots of things like planning for accessibility, um, what does accessibility integration look like, um, you know, does it, is it integrated into your fundraising, is it integrated mm -hmm. into your communications, do you have disability representation on your board and your staff, um, I do a lot of presentations and training around accessibility related issues. And I also run the Seattle Cultural Accessibility Consortium, which is a grassroots effort to help the arts sector basically improve accessibility for people of all abilities. And we do a lot of presentations and workshops mm. um, and try to keep the accessibility conversation relevant and um, top of mind for people. It's a, it's a wonderful way of making sure that people keep talking about it because if we don't talk about it, it's not going to advance. Right. So um, one of the things I really love to do is um, answer questions about, well, what, what does it mean to interact with a person with a disability and making it really a safe space for people to lean into their discomfort because it can be an uncomfortable topic. I'm sure you've noticed when you tell people I have single-sided deafness, the energy kind of changes. Mm -hmm. And so you try to help people understand that it's okay to make mistakes. Um, but the most important thing I tell people is to be an ally and really advocate for people with disabilities and take the burden of advocacy off of the person with a disability. I mean, we can still advocate for ourselves, but mm -hmm. like you say, if you include accommodations in the registration process, that takes the burden off of the person with a disability. So those are the kinds of things that I work with my clients and um, the community on. Well, I, I'm hoping that after this airs and we uh, 
push it out on social media and stuff that you are incredibly busy and you asked me to take down the episode because you have too many clients and too many people asking for support, but I doubt you'll do that. Um, no, that's wonderful. And I, I definitely encourage uh, folks to reach out to you. And if it's, you know, if you're not, well, do you only work with uh, clients in the Washington, Seattle region? I work with anybody, and uh, I, I, my my practice is expanding beyond Washington State, and it is expanding beyond the arts sector. I mean, accessibility is an issue for all organizations, whether it's the healthcare sector or mm. business sector or whatnot. So, yeah. um, yes, wonderful. Well. I'm going to have Elizabeth send us the, all the links for all the different, you know, be it, uh, be it her consultancy being some of the organizations that she's working with, et cetera. So we'll put that all in the descriptions for our listeners and readers. And so what, yeah, I guess for me, it's just what a wonderful way to, you know, uh, end the month We're tail, uh, we're turning the, the corner for summer in the Seattle region. And I'll be visiting, uh, starting next week and I'll be in town for three weeks. I, do, I also want to plug the Belonging Gathering, uh, 22 Belonging Gathering on May 12th and 13th at Axis Pioneer Square. Uh, we'll put the event link in our website, in our description for this podcast. And we I will add the, the questionnaire form to make sure that people can let us know if they have any accessibility uh, 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 issues that they would like, uh, accommodations that they would like met. And I'll make sure that's on there before I, I post it. And uh, I really want to just thank our, our guest, Elizabeth Ralston. Uh, you've been a wonderful guest. I really loved just connecting with you, uh, talking about belonging with you, talking about accessibility, raising the awareness. And uh, and yeah, I just look forward to, I'm sure I will reach out to you again, either for your consulting profession practice uh, knowledge, or just to just touch base and just see how things are going. So I appreciate you spending time with us. I'd love that. I'd love to come visit you in Seoul so you can invite me out there to give a presentation. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and this is for maybe for another episode. Seoul and the South Korea can definitely use you and more people uh, like you because there is no ADA here, right? The American Disabilities Act. There is no, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues here with accessibility. And so we can talk about that in another episode uh, or face-to-face. <laughs> But appreciate you. Thank you, Elizabeth, for uh, being uh, our guest. Thank you to the Discovery Gate Center for connecting us. I will also link to Elizabeth's work and the and her media information that uh, the Gate, Discovery Gate Center did with her exhibit. Thank you so much, Frank. And then lastly, thank you again to Big Phony for letting us use uh, his music, Royalty Free, and just telling our listeners, as always, you know, remember to see each other as fully human, ask questions, tell your stories, and always remember that you belong. Thanks, everyone.